You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. It's your boy Tom here and we are back in another episode. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> back with another episode of the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast. Ooh, I was, I was, uh, didn't make it to the podcast today after uh, those football games. But you know what? We're talking football about? game. Hold on, what, what game are we talking about? Ah, oh, well, yeah. yeah. What, what, what game are we talking about? I was talking about how bad them Steelers looked on uh, Thursday, and then I, I can't. Can, can, can we sit there for a while? Can we sit there for a while? I, I mean, I, I, I want to know. What's going on with my Pittsburgh Steelers? And I, I really want to dive into the, Cla- uh, the Chase Claypool. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. I, I, I want to get into that, but I don't want to touch it right now, though, because I know we got to get into what we did this weekend, unless Gary's okay with skipping that, and we can jump right into well, it. Well, my weekend was nothing. I just gamed, and just <laughs> go. That's it. That was my weekend. I was weekend. Say, Gary's, Gary's okay. weekend All is right. the one that takes up time, and so is your weekend that takes up time. And and I'm not even going. I I, I want to bypass it because I want to have enough time so I can talk about this. I, first of all, I, I'm gonna let y'all start because we may not all feel the same way about Chase Claypool. Uh, granted, the Steelers we 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 were having a bad game all game, uh, and then Ben decided to come alive in the fourth, and then we get it all the way down there, and then all these memes start popping up. So Gary, I'd love to hear. What walk me through Chase Claypool's thoughts because you've been here before. Obviously, two minute, you know, the clock's uh running down and they keep reminding us time and time and time and time again. But I, I just want you to help me understand do you agree or do you disagree with uh Chase Claypool's reaction on picking up that first down as it relates to time? I completely disagree with what he did. Because if you know, and this is the same thing saying, like you said, for me as a tight end, if I catch a ball and I know we got to get back up, I'm as soon as I get up, catch the ball, I'm finding the referee, handing the ball, and getting set. It's just no, there's no walking, there's no doing anything because that's that literally could have cost them the game. Like they it, they lost 12 seconds from that whole debacle of the ball getting knocked out of his hand, having to get it situated, get set. 12 seconds were lost. You probably could have lost three to four if you would have gave the ball to the referee and got set because he was in the middle of the field already. So I think yeah. everybody – I saw some people say, oh, it was only two seconds of celebrating. You've never played in the NFL to understand how much time that actually is. And that's that's the truth. Like you know, you're taught every time we do two-minute drill in practice, soon as you catch the ball, you find the referee, give it to him, and run and get set. Even when he went to get set, he wasn't in a hurry, and he lined up all sides and had to get pulled back. And then he yelled at his teammates because of the situation. I think it was a young player just making a mistake. I think that's what it was. I think he was caught up in the moment that he got converted to fourth down, and he wasn't really aware anymore of the time that was left. And I think it could have cost him the game. After okay. they made a whole, whole, whole amazing comeback, from down twenty nine nothing, that was outrageous. Uh, Tom, what do you what do you think, man? Do you agree or do you disagree? Which <laughs> I, I I'm waiting to see how you're going to spin it that you agree because that is just obviously the wrong answer, and you always like to be on the opposite side. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Gary. That was a fool. That he would sit there and celebrate the thing, and then stand up, and and then as his lineman, he gets mad at his lineman. And did you hear him in the conference, the press conference afterwards? He tried to blame it on his lineman for knocking it out of his hand. As he goes, "What well, uh, a player knocked it out of my hand. That's why we lost the time." I was like, "Oh my gosh, this man does not get it at all. It's so bad, and it's just." I don't know. It's just it's just obvious. Like I've never played professional football, but I know in that moment you have to be aware of the situation and get back to line. I mean, you you saw it on Twitter. People are showing clips of Larry Fitzgerald running to his teammate, 
grabbing the ball because he's tied up on the ground and running it to the ref. That's the situational awareness you need to be a great player in the NFL. But, D'Angelo, let's get to how you're going to spin this. Well, before he goes, I've seen D'Angelo in a two-minute drill catch, get the ball, run and hand it to the referee and get situated. So I've seen him do it the proper way it's supposed to be done. So if he tries to spin it, I don't know what, I don't know how he can because I've seen him do it the right way. And I've seen him yell at people for not getting set in time. Why are you guys attacking me? Y'all don't even know what direction I'm moving in. We don't, don't know. Even know what direction We're covering our bases in case you do. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see a problem at all with his celebration at the end of the game because it didn't affect the end of the game like it could have affected the end of the game. So we're technically getting mad at a player for something that he could have done that he did not do. But the fact of the matter is this. I think out of all the plays that wasn't made that – really cost the Steelers the game was there toward the end of the game when the tight end dropped the football when he squeezed it in there. I think he has just as much let down. I don't down. think he dropped it as much as the defender knocked it out of there because he got crushed. Bro. And, and I don't I'm not saying that lost them the game. I'm just right. saying 12 but, more but, seconds. But I understand could, that, could that 12 them. seconds didn't make a difference. So because that 12 seconds didn't make a difference it it we 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 got mad at him on potential. That's what we got mad at him for. We got mad at him and he became a meme based solely on potential because it didn't happen. That 12 seconds did not cost them the game. Well, we don't everybody we don't, was we don't, we don't know if that 12 seconds could cuz they they're not they didn't get that 12 seconds back. So could 12 seconds more gave him a chance to win? We don't know. You saw no, they all ran out of downs, Gary. I know, but it, they had to rush. That's what I'm saying. They still had to rush everything more because they had less time. Okay, Gary. However you want to spend that, bro. You no, you, you right. I'm just saying we we we've, we've proven Aaron Rodgers can win with 22 seconds. We 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 can we can, and we've also proven that some people can't win with longer than that. Correct. So I I, I don't understand what you're saying. Are we just saying stuff to just. Say no, stuff? I'm just saying you should do everything you can to try to help your team win and yes. not waste the time. I think I have no I have no problem with the celebrating, but there was no sense of urgency. But here's but here's, the, but here's the thing though, Gary. Every time somebody picks up a third down or a fourth down, they celebrate. They celebrate. And I know this Chase is a young player and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt doubt of being a young player. He's a young player and the fact that y'all compared him to Larry Fitzgerald is awful because at the time Larry Fitzgerald did that versus the time Chase Claypool did what he did, there's a 10-plus-year gap in there that y'all don't want to talk about. So coaching and experience is a lot. Are you going to say that Larry Fitzgerald wouldn't have done that early on in his career? Because he's always been a smart player. But but here's the thing, though. (laughs) This is the honest God truth. Larry Fitzgerald did not come up in the generation that's coming up right now. This generation now – celebrates everything <laughs> they celebrates everything dude they they tiktok dance they do all that larry fitzgerald didn't come up through that it well, wasn't a celebration every time they picked up a first down it wasn't a celebration every time that a wide receiver did something on his own like it's a completely different game from a celebration aspect because there's a lot of stuff that surrounds those celebrations that's all i'm saying yeah i just feel like there wasn't the sense of urgency you would want from a player in the last 35 seconds of the game. Agree. Agree. That's the problem I have versus Agreed. the celebration. It's just there was no sense of urgency. Well, well, my thing is Gary again, and and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. I, it upsets me that a lot of people are upset at him uh, because of the potential. Versus not what he did. He didn't lose the game for the Pittsburgh I agree. Steelers. I don't think he right, lost. Right, but that's what everybody. That's what everybody. That's what. That's what this dancing or celebration is leading to, which pisses me off. That's the only thing that pisses me off about this is that he didn't lose the game. This didn't cost the Pittsburgh Steelers the game, but the fan base right now is pinning everything on him because that's what stood out in that game. But is that but yeah. That didn't cost them the game directly, as in it was the play that did it. But 
you got to take the time to understand that when you put yourself in situations like that, that are, that could pay off at the end. Like it's not always about just what happens at the end of the game. That is a moment that led to something that they could have had another opportunity to score. And I'm not even upset as upset necessarily about what he did in that moment, because you know what? You're right. He is a young guy. He is come up in a different generation. And so maybe it's not always, you know, situational awareness is not always what's forced on his mind, which is, you know, understandable for a young player. coming. Right. My, what I'm upset about is how he handled it afterwards. Oh, after yeah, I'm pissed he's off had about time, yeah. After he's had time to think about it and digest, and I'm sure he got ringed by his coach. And then he's going to go into the press conference and try to blame his linemen for <laughs> knocking the ball out of his hand as to why they lost that time. That was a fool. And they're, I'm the, See, <laughs> that's a fool. That's one of those, man, you just got to jump on that dagger. You just go ahead and you just slide down nice and easy. Right. And you say, hey, you know, I, I got caught up in the moment. The moment was too big for me, and I didn't do what a lot of other people did. I did what I did, and I got to live with that. And the world would have moved on. Like, man, that was big, man. We really appreciate that. Now, this is when the world completely stops and they really make it about you is when you start pointing a finger at other people. Like, oh, you know, it was – it was my teammate that did this. And then now you force people to come out and have to tell, like, nah, that ain't what we saw. This is what we saw. And what we saw ain't matching up to what you said that happened. And it's just, it, it got all bad. I would have rather him just came out and say, hey, again, the moment was too big. It, I, I didn't do what you wanted me to do. I did what I always do when I pick up a big down. Because literally, he does that same thing when he picks up a third down this big, when he pick up a fourth down this big, obviously in this case, but the sense of urgency, but the sense of urgency hasn't always had to be there in this particular case. And I think, again, that's what bit him in the ass. Right, right. But, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like you said, you just got to, you got to fall on the dagger in that situation. Like, all right, understand that you messed up. And be able to come out and admit that you messed up, but it seems like he just was unable to do that in the I, moment. I, I have to tell you this time, and 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 I really want, I, I really want you to, to think about this, man. Uh, and and I'm I'm talking to you and Gary. I know exactly where I am with this, but I want you to try to put yourself in that young man's shoes. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. In football, we're going to all make mistakes. I'm going to fumble. Gary's going to drop passes. He's going to fumble. Uh, he's going to drop passes. Uh, there's going to be games that could potentially be in our hands where the ball comes to us. And in that very moment, we got to make a decision either to help this team win or, or to help this team lose, right? In some cases, I've helped teams win. In some cases, I've helped teams lose. But do you know how it feels? When you're a player and the game is on the line and you fail, you fumble, and you cost your team a potential chance of winning the football game and the entire world is mocking you, do you know how tough that is? I know D'Angelo does in Memphis. <laughs> you set that up for me. I had to. But, but do you? But do you see what I'm saying though? Like, cause no, it's, so, so now, like, this is like this is the equivalent of a kicker missing a really uh, e easy kick, but he didn't make it to win the game, and they end up losing by, by one. Right, and then that kicker coming out and saying, "Well, the guy holding it didn't have the laces out." Yeah, that's why yes. I missed. <laughs> that's why I missed. But it ultimately comes down to that kicker. But do you know how I feel though for that entire week where the world is making memes and you know, cracking jokes and like really having a really good time at the expense of your failed opportunity. Well, I hear that, but he hadn't even been experiencing that for a whole week. He had been like, what, 30, 45 minutes between he, when he made that play and when he got on that, that uh, stage afterwards <laughs> to tell them that, oh, well, one of my teammates knocked the ball out of my hand. Right. <laughs> but he still got to live through this. He has to, that young man has to get on the net and uh surf or his family got to get on there and they got to look at these pictures which are funny because i i, I there was 
I'll tell you, I guess, the the roughest play for me uh, as it relates to football. The roughest play that I think I've ever been a part of is when we're playing the, uh, the Seahawks. We're playing them in uh, Carolina, and I end up fumbling there toward the end of the game. We were going in to, like, win it. We were going in to win it. I end up fumbling a uh, great, great strip uh, by Richard Sherman. Uh, he ended up popping the ball out. They ended up jumping on it. And for, like, ever, nobody would let, let me live the fumble down. Like, dang, dude. Like, you do, you fumbled in one of, like, like, the biggest plays of the year. And I'm like, you think I was trying to do that? You think I was – you think I'd want to be a meme? But it was, like, the toughest thing ever for me at the time and, like, all week. I was just like, dang, guys. Like, I was apologizing to guys and stuff like that because that was, like, the the biggest moment where I made a mistake in. But then I later realized, like, bro, we all make mistakes at work. That's just how it is. And when you make those mistakes, you know, normally you don't make them on a big stage – but when they're made on the big stage, you open yourself up for for all the jokes and stuff like that. So that's what made my skin like a little thicker. I guess that's why I am the way I am right now is like really don't give a damn. But it's it's interesting when you're that guy because being that guy sucks. Well, I think you have to have tough skin because like I think a bigger – moment that you've had that's been bad was you purchasing the hat you're wearing because it is terrible can't take my eyes off how bad absolutely (laughs) no you're looking at it because you like it man. no it's terrible that's what it is you like that hat man. i I think every player has to deal with things like that it comes with the nature of the sport especially with football basketball i totally disagree tom brady's never had to deal with it because he doesn't lose (laughs) tom brady's never had to deal with it like because he doesn't uh, lose up until this point right now like Aaron Rodgers never had to deal with it. Um, who else? Uh, Peyton Manning dealt with it a little bit. Pe- Wait. Especially his rookie year when he threw, he set the rookie record for interceptions. You Everybody's think- like, he's going to be a bust, and he was uh, not. Okay. Okay. So it's, just, look, it's so just different realms of it. The closest I've had to come to dealing with something like that, I guess, is whenever I have to defend you two, whenever y'all look like fools on television. So for D'Angelo, whenever he went on Good Morning Football, (laughs) and I had everybody and their mom tagging me in that video, is this your boy? Is he really a jackass like this? Oh, man. And then then when Gary was on The Amazing Race playing the steel drums, People would were tagging me in that video saying, "Is Gary really this white? Is he really this oh, terrible?" With <laughs> and I had to defend y'all boys. And I, you know what I did because I stay by y'all no matter what kind of lows you hit in life. <laughs> but that must be really why he's just that, that, that must be why he sticks so tight with the Panthers. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it all makes sense now. I got I got practice sticking with the low the low lights in the in the world. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. No, but, but I would like the transition to the Panther game. Because oh, I know yeah. Time never wants to talk about it. He always avoids getting on the podcast when the Panthers don't play great. And oh, we finally get a chance to talk to him about it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he blows hey, us off all the time, so he doesn't guys, have to I got, do Hey, it. guys, I got to head out real quick. Uh, <laughs> baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, We're going to talk. We're going to have this conversation. So, Tom, I, I would like to get your feedback over the last two weeks of Panther football. I ain't even going to play. I ain't going to play. We'll just, we'll just talk about this week. This it's just it's just terrible. It's just terrible. Uh it's not a good we lost to the Falcons. Correct. The Falcons have been looking like trash. Like they couldn't even move the football, you know, down the field for like the past two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden they want to come out here and act like they are the Falcons that went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots and we make them look like that team because I just can't explain it. I can't explain. They cost me in DraftKings because I used their defense in my DraftKings lineup. And because I was like, oh, it's the Falcons. They're going to burn them. Not only that, but my boy Cam Newton <laughs> got benched again, but twice. It's just like, so I, it, you guys tell me this. Is he is he destined to get cut before the end of the year? Because doesn't he have a roster bonus? He is not going to get cut because they actually have already came out and said Cam Newton starting next week. So I don't understand – that's my problem. Like, 
everybody's backing him, saying he he hasn't learned. He's it's new system, all that stuff. Then don't start him. It's it's that simple. Have your little packages for him. If he's not ready to start, don't start him. PJ Walker's shown he can do it. And I'm telling you, the biggest factor is not having Christian McCaffrey. It changes the dynamic. They're not worried about the passing game from the Carolina Panthers right now with either quarterback back there. No team is. They're saying beat us by the pass because they're not worried about it. And you're not going to do that. You're just not going to do that with with what they have right now. But I think the biggest thing is everybody's staying behind Cam because it's his name and what he's done in the past, but he's not the same player and as everybody says, he has not been in the system that long. So there's no reason to force start him because it affects the team because he's not prepared. That's all. Okay. I I was trying my best not to because every time I say something, I'm a hater. And literally Stop everything hating. that everything you guys are saying, uh, I have been saying. Uh so I'm not even gonna keep I'm not gonna keep beating that dead horse. So I'm gonna go in a different direction. What quarterback on this Carolina Panther roster do you start knowing that you have Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newton? You got these three quarterbacks as your quarterback. If all three of them healthy, who starts and why? Uh, I think you're going to start Sam Darnold and because uh, you saw what he could do when he played well. Obviously, can you get him back to that? Probably not, but you saw he has the ability to flash and throw for 300 yards over three it's three straight games and play well. So you've seen the ability. Can you get it back to it? Probably not. But the thing is, it doesn't matter who's back there. Without Christian McCaffrey, it's a whole different ball game. And I think right now you go with P.J. Walker because Darnold's not ready yet. He's still injured. I think P.J. Walker's who you start with. And you can still mix Cam in for packages. Like I just don't think he's ready to be the starter at. Gear, stop saying you can mix him in and packages like he's you a damn running back or a receiver. That's what they use him for. End. You don't you don't mix in a quarterback. That, that's Even what they if use you look for. at the New Orleans Saints and how they use Taysom Hill. Even when Drew Brees was a starting quarterback and they would have those plays, that those plays he would have like one or two or maybe three in a game. When you say a package, you're talking about committing to 10 to 15 plays a game. And I don't think you could do that at quarterback. Cam Newton had the same amount of rushes as their running back in the game. Ten. Right, but you, you're not – so you're talking about you just want to put him in there for RPOs? That or goal line stuff. If that's what you're going to do anyways, you're doing it anyways. So oh, don't, I see what you're saying. don't do it the whole game. Like that's the thing is their teams aren't scared of his arm because he has not showed the last two years he can throw the way he used to. So teams yeah. aren't scared. They're not worried about him, and I don't. I think it's. And then now they don't have to worry about McCaffrey. The whole thing changes. I'm I just, just want to make. We finally, got time to admit something negative about the Panthers. Well, I just, I just want to say this though. I. And I, I don't know where this came from, but I, I, I just want to. I, I know it happened. I, I know it happened. I know why it happened, but you keep excluding why it happened. You said that Sam Darnold has flashed. It, it has bothered me, and I was going to try to let it slide, but I couldn't. It just was eating at my soul, and I just want to go back, and I want to revisit that. Now, you know for a damn well, I, out of all people, that when he threw for those 300 yards, that defense was getting picks. They was getting turnovers. They were sending teams three and out, so he was getting more possessions. I agree, but he so did because he was games. getting more – and he got three – more possessions than in those three straight games where he did that 300 yards. That's what I'm saying. His defense was playing absolutely phenomenal. He didn't have to win games. He just had to manage games. So now that it come down to him having to win games, that offensive line started to break down or has been broken down, and I knew that they wasn't a quarterback away from making their team any better. No, they were not. I knew Cam Newton could not come in and fix that team. I was very – uh, upset that he even chose the fact to come back because this is something that can kill his legacy within the Carolina Panthers organization because now they're going to have to be forced to let him go at the end of the year. And it was just, it was just, that's his farewell tour. And it's a sucky farewell tour and it shouldn't have been one to begin with. PJ Walker is the best quarterback 
on this team right now to lead this team. Why? One, because he's mobile. Sam Darnold doesn't give you that necessarily. And two, he makes okay decisions. He doesn't make the right decisions all the time. So you're going to have to deal with those picks every now and then because he's a young player and hadn't been able to read the defense like some of the more mature players in Cam and such. But now that breakdown of that offensive line, Boy, they need to start from that left tackle all the way to that right tackle and start replacing some guys up there because it is unbelievable to me that when they say one player uh, can't make a football team, they're absolutely lying. They hadn't seen the Carolina Panthers, especially the 2021 Carolina Panthers, because they are Christian McCaffrey heavy. And whenever Christian McCaffrey's not in there, they are regular cats. They're not that that Panther that you come to know and love, time. They are regular house cats, and they are not the kind that are house trained. <laughs> they're not even just regular house cats. They're house cats that have been declawed. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you guys are right. And the thing is, they just, they, you know what? We're in the playoff hunt still. That's <laughs> <laughs> but so is Atlanta. I know, but it's because everybody else is so trash right now. So there's still hope. I'm not giving my money to Gary yet. So okay, uh, my question though, because you said a while back, you still feel more confident that you can win games with Cam Newton back there. Yeah, but hold up, hold up, hold up, right Gary. Now. He didn't. He didn't answer the question. I said he yeah. got Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newton on this offense. Who is your quarterback and why? Oh, it's got it's Superman Cam, Super Cam Newton for sure. And why is it Cam Newton? Well, just uh, you know, as 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 you said, he's got to get back on page with the receiver. You know, people people take you know for granted how much rhythm and like timing with your receivers uh, plays into such an important position as a quarterback. But you see how dangerous Cam is from you know the side of using his legs, and our offensive line is terrible. Let's just call it what it is. It's not very good. And so it's going to be that way no matter who's back there. So it doesn't matter necessarily who the better thrower is. Uh, We've obviously seen that when Sam Darnold's under pressure, he's not going to make the right decisions. Um, So we need a quarterback back there that can move. Uh, You know, P.J. Walker can move a little bit, but I'm just not sure, you know, how I feel about his abilities either. So for me, I'm, I'm still, you know, Call, call me, call me, call me one of those that keeps going back to the X, you know, then maybe that's what I'm dealing with right now, that kind of syndrome. But I, I feel comfortable with Cam Newton back there. I feel like we always got a chance, at least, whenever Cam's under center. So, well, so hold on, just I, for I, reference, uh, the Carolina Panthers are in the middle of the road of sacks given up of teams. Number one is the Baltimore Ravens. And you don't hear any complaints about getting out of the pocket and still winning with Lamar Jackson. Just stay, same with Joe Joe Burrows, number two. He's still able to get out of the pocket. Well, you don't hear that about Lamar Jackson because he runs. He's not had a great throwing season this year. I, I, he never does. I'm not, I know that. But I'm saying Joe Burrow has. Joe Burrow doesn't have a great line. Everybody's been banged up. He's, they're the number two most sacks given up in 41 versus right, Carolina. But Joe Burrow has 32. way more weapons. He okay. Joe Mixon, you're telling me, you're telling me McCaffrey, Higgins, DJ, Boyd. DJ Moore, Robbie yeah, Anderson. McCaffrey hadn't been around this season. That, that's 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 the that's the nature of McCaffrey the last few years. Yeah. But you so paid him 14 40 million a year. Like, that's the thing. That's 40 two touches years in a, a row year. Been hurt. I mean, 40 touches a game a year. <sighs> Add up. Add up. All I'm saying is, so, Tom, you're saying that you're going with Cam, so you're you're over Sam Darnold. You're, you're saying that the Panthers made a mistake by signing Sam Darnold. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's probably just best to just move on from that at this point. So do they uh, re-sign Cam at the end of the year? Well, no, I Ooh. think Cam's the answer for this season. Um, I don't think he's Ooh. the future. I think they need to figure out somebody else for the future. Because I mean, that's I what mean, I, that's what I don't understand, though, Tom. Why do you bring him in for a year? Because you do realize when Cam was here, he wasn't good. So he was. Now he, that he, he had his moments, back, but he was I, good a year. I'm talking about consistently. He was not consistently good. Okay. I think they bring him in because they felt like they had a they have a chance to make the playoffs, which they do. Tickets, and, ticket sales. 
ticket sales. Yeah, I mean, it does help to have, you know, everybody love the uh, Cam Newton signing back, you know, so there's there's many factors played. I'm just saying, Cam Newton gets you more excited than P.J. Walker. I'd rather win games with P.J. Walker than have the excitement of losing games. But that's assuming he's going to win games. I you don't think. But, again, he's been in the system all year. Why would you not do that versus put somebody who has not played in a year into and have to learn a system, and then now he's your starting quarterback? Hey. And he's been benched twice in back-to-back games for that it. guy. But, see, that's what I don't understand. So this is what drives me crazy, too, and, and maybe – and, and Gary, I, I I don't think it means anything. We we've seen Cam start twice and get benched twice, and then he's the starter the next week. I I what does the benchings mean? Like what I mean, are we just kind of going through the motion? Is this protocol at this point, or is it really PJ's Walker team, and we're trying to force this Cam thing to happen? I guess, I just, I guess time doesn't care. Do well, you see I, what I'm saying I, I here? But do you see what I'm saying? But you see what I'm saying? No, it doesn't make sense. It, it, well, it me, doesn't make sense asked, to me at all. That's why I asked it, because if you're going to bench him, that signals to me that, okay, we're done with you. So it signals to me like, hey, are we saying that Cam's done as the – because you can't nah, it's a college, it's it's a college they, benching. It's a college benching. If they cut him, they lose so much support from the fan base. So there's no way they would do that. So I, I think he's in for the rest of this you know, year. You know, I think, I think, you know, because I don't – see, here's the thing. I think the fan base might know and understand, especially – I'm pretty sure he has a roster bonus if he finishes on the roster by the end of the year. Um, so I think as a fan, you probably would understand if they do cut him, like, okay. From what I've seen from fans, they back him no matter how bad he plays. That's true. Goat. He's the goat. Greatest of all time. Kind of like Moose, the wrestler. He's the greatest big man in the game. Okay, we're right? going to talk about something else because time <laughs> you know, a whole, whole nother, you're going to get me on a whole nother rant, and I don't want to go there because we still have to get to the Crumblies. we still in the football. I want to talk about Heisman stuff. We got to talk Heisman Trophy. We, we got to talk a lot of good stuff, and I'm not going to let you pigeonhole me and the saying something about the Carolina Panthers and getting that fan base all pissed off. Because <laughs> you know I'll day. cut it. I'll cut it for the clip too, don't you? I know you'll cut it for the clip, and then you have. I'm pretty sure you've already back. said something to piss everybody off. So let's go on. Oh, um, but yeah. So I guess we'll kind of stick in the realm of football gear. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, we lost. Carolina Panthers, they lost. The Green Bay Packers, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Without Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers are not even the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're a four-win team. Really? You think four, he's that? Four, four to five-win team. Without you, you saw the way Jordan Love played. I don't, yeah, I don't even know if they have that many wins. But, I mean, <laughs> Jordan Love, I don't think they handcuffed themselves into getting Jordan Love if they knew they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. I think the, the Love signing was kind of a, hey, we look into a parent heir to the throne – but not somebody right now. I think no, if they no, needed don't get somebody, wrong. that wasn't a love signing. That was a love first round drafting. That's correct. That's, that's a huge instead difference. Instead of getting a wide receiver right. to compliment Devontae Adams. Right. Let's not, get, <laughs> let's not add any weapons to our already Hall of Fame quarterback that we have. Let's draft the apparent. But, at the, but at the time I'm drafting, we have issues with Aaron Rodgers, though. That's the thing. We're having issues with Aaron Rodgers, so I'm drafting so like I have more. to replace him. So, so what happens after? We're going to find out because after this year, they're not going to have Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams. So their team is going to be struggling. So we'll see. We'll see how they how many wins they get hey, next year. Those are lies, Gary. Those are lies. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams will be there in a Green Bay Packers I'll uniform. I'll put 20 on that. I'm about to say, this sounds like a good double or nothing opportunity. I'll double or nothing on that. I, I, I'm telling you, they're going to be there because money talk. All this, we, I'll all this like, oh, I'm unhappy. I'm going to go somewhere else. But when them numbers start flying across that table. Are you saying that other other teams won't offer Devontae Adams the same money that? I will double or nothing <laughs> that neither one of them are on the team next year for Green Bay. So when I win my bet for who gets the furthest, I will double or nothing it that the, neither one of them are on the team next year. Okay. All right. So you um, say, are, are you taking that, you that bet? Taking or? 
I'm not taking that bet. <laughs> I'm not taking that bet. <laughs> I, I, I want to make this statement and I want y'all to say true or false, but think about it. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens are the army Navy of NFL football. No false. Wait, the Baltimore Ravens and who? The, 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 the style they play, the style that they play. Oh, okay. I'm going to say false because they actually throw the ball a little bit. More than Navy and Army do. I'm going to say I don't know because I didn't watch the Army-Navy game. They just run triple option. <laughs> they just, the they just oh, run okay. like the triple option. They run that RPO stuff. That's all. Yeah. They, like, But it's more so R versus uh, PO. <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. It's, false. Uh, okay. All right. I would like to talk yeah. to Heisman stuff. Go ahead. So, obviously, we know Bryce Young won. I don't know how, but uh, okay. So, I want to know, who who do you think they got it right? If not, who do you think should have won? And, okay. And then I also have a grievance with the Heisman afterwards. Okay. So, I, I'm going to be honest with you. And and this this is me being all honest with you guys. I'm not saying he should have won it, but I'm talking about he should have had some consideration. Do anybody know who Riddler is? Riddler yeah. is the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Has anybody seen what this kid has been doing since he's been in Cincinnati? It's only based on one year. No, it's 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 based on more than one year. No, Heisman's based off of one year. I know it's based off one year, but this this guy went undefeated this year. Took a mid card or a, a non power five school if you want to say that, if that's what you want to call it. They're going to the Big 12. He took them to the college football playoffs. First time it's ever been done. And you're going to tell me that this guy wasn't even up for the Heisman? Yes. How? They were the only undefeated team there. Granted, you can't help and choose who's on your schedule. I understand that the Alabamas play the SEC schools, but he can't help what I mean, he could have when he went to college, but he can't help who he's playing with right now. The only undefeated team. Look back what this kid has done. Look at this kid's career. You could put his career up against anybody, the the Bryce Harpers of the world, the quarterbacks over at Ohio State. Like, you could put this kid's career up against anybody, and his name wasn't even mentioned. I'm do, trying to figure out. Do you out know how. what his stats were for this year? No, I don't know what his stats are. I just know that he knows how to win. Well, and I'll, I know compare, I'll compare him to Bryce Young's. Okay. Uh, you tell me who should win. I'm just going to give you the two different stats. I'm not going to tell you who's who. Okay? You just tell okay. me. Okay. So one has 3,190 yards passing, uh-huh. 30 TDs, and eight interceptions. Okay. The other one has 4,300 yards, 43 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Oh, yeah. I. Yeah, the 43. Yeah, that's Bryce Young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he it's just did a... that against better competition. I agree. You can't control your competition. All you can do is go out there and win. But if you're playing less competition and you still only put up 3,100 yards, there's a little difference. Yeah. Yeah. But Dang. no, my so my grievance, I have no problem with who won the Heisman. First time, do you have any problem with who won the Heisman? I don't have any problem with who won the Heisman. Because I don't watch college football, so I have no clue anybody's stats. <laughs> so my my issue I have is the fact that Aiden Hutchinson of the Michigan was in the Heisman, but the Will Anderson of Alabama was not, who had better stats as a defensive player. More sacks, more tackles, more force fumbles, more interceptions, more hurries, but somehow he wasn't in the, in the Heisman, but Aiden Hutchinson was. That's where I have an issue. And I don't know how the college works their awards because that D- Will Anderson, he was the defensive player of the year for college football, but wasn't a Heisman. And he also won the Nagurski, which is a best defensive player award. And then, uh, but he didn't win the Bedronik award, which is a defensive player of the war- uh, year for, I, I think, D lineman or whatever. But neither did Aiden Hutchinson. So how did a guy who didn't win any defensive awards make the Heisman? I don't understand how all that works. 
for best defensive players in the nation, oh. but they didn't. But the one guy who made it as a Heisman candidate didn't win any defensive player of the year awards for college football, but oh, he was up know. for Heisman. I don't know how that worked either. Uh, I was always under the impression like, like Reggie Bush and all of them when they were racking up awards, I was like, yeah, there's no way that, you know, Reggie will win, you know, the running back award, the offensive player Correct. of the year award, Which makes and sense. the Heisman Trophy. Like you, you can't, you wouldn't be able to sweep all those. You just got to. Well, because Bryce Young did that. Bryce Young won the Heisman, the Maxwell, which is Player of the Year, and the Davy Award, which is Best Quarterback. He won all three. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, that, I don't know when the last time that was done. So that's why it confuses me on how I think the the Bednarik Award is defense lineman. So if that's defense lineman, how did Jordan Davis of Georgia win it, but Aiden Hutchinson was up for the Heisman? Why would he have not won it and then still been up for the Heisman? I don't understand at all how all that works. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It seems so backwards to me. It's a popularity contest. That's what which it all boils is, down it to. Be. It should be considered yeah. the best player in college. Do you think Bryce Young was the best player in college? Yes. Okay. All right. Without That's Bryce Young, Alabama doesn't win as many games they won. I think I don't know. I I think that's that's their thing. Is I think it, the MVP Heisman, all that should come down to. It's the same thing we've had this argument. So whoever so, so, wins should be at a. If they if that team loses that player, they would be garbage. So so if Georgia wins the SEC championship, knocks Alabama out, is the quarterback at Georgia now up for the Heisman and Bryce Young out? No, no. So Bryce, Bryce Young still Young. wins it. Yes. You still you still thinks he wins it? I don't mm -hmm. think. I think he won. I think he won the Heisman Trophy, the SEC championship game. That's, well, that's what, what he and that's what a lot of people trophy. think too, as well because how well he played. But yes. I think his numbers show he deserved it. The only one that was close was Pittsburgh's quarterback, Mister Fake Slide himself. Right. Okay. All right. Didn't uh, RG three call him that <laughs> at the same? Yeah, Mister Fake Slide. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Oh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get to, we gotta get to our big topic. Wait, so, real quick though, before we, we move on, did you see that they changed the rule on the fake slide? Yeah, it yeah, should have been done. A, that was crazy. That, that that was that's the that's the greatest decision that the NCAA has made outside of allowing players to get paid. They didn't make that decision. They were forced to make that decision. <laughs> I mean, however, they got there. They yeah. got there. <laughs> they didn't want to. They got there, kicking and screaming. I mean, they got there. So we. We, we we talked about it last week that we were going to dive into it uh, this week, and we're talking about the Crumblies. I don't know if anybody had opportunity to look at it, but um, the they bought their 15-year-old son a, a firearm. He took the firearm to school, and uh, he injured a, a large number of people, and he ended up taking the lives of five innocent people. Um, uh there's no question on whether or not he did this or not. He did do this. I guess the question is why. Uh, and not only outside of why, but the Crumblies, the ones that bought them the gun, are now being held uh, responsible for buying their son this particular firearm. Um, I just want to know what you guys think about it. Uh, one. And two, are we trending in the right direction as it relates to the laws in Michigan. So what what kind of gun was bought? It was a handgun. It was a uh it was a semi-automatic pistol. Uh that's what was bought. That was purchased and apparently it was purchased by the the parents uh specifically for the son, not to take to school and obviously use it on his classmates in the school uh uh, officers or what have you it was intent i guess for personal protection either at the house or uh it wasn't supposed to be used in the manner in which it was used uh but it was used in that manner and the parents had bought it for him so my question to you guys is is charging the parents would you charge the parents or do you think this 15 year old should be solely responsible for his actions and his actions alone well, so I think that's an interesting debate right there because I think the 100% the kid is should be 100% held liable for his actions. 
There's no question there. Now, when you get to the parents, I have no problem with parents buying their kids guns because, like, I have family members that they hunt all the time. Obviously, that's different than a handgun. So they have guns for their kids, but they use their own. They they let them use their guns. They go hunt. They go to hunt clubs, all that kind of stuff, and they like hunt. That's what they do. But you can't control what somebody's going to do. Now, I don't think you need to buy a 15-year-old a gun. Like, I don't think a kid that young, I think you wait till they're 18, 17 or 18, if you're going to buy them a gun, because I think that's 15, they're super immature. You're still immature at 17, 18. Let's, let's be real, but you don't need a gun at 15. You don't, especially, you don't need one for protection. I don't think any of that stuff. Um, I think, and plus, if you're going to do it, you're going to buy like a hunting weapon because most of the time it's kids that are hunting they might go hunt stuff like that there's a bunch of kids around obviously where i live i live out in the country that hunt so i have no problem with it i think the thing that should be is the gun should be locked up until they're being used for what they're used for what they're going to be used for so if it's hunting they're locked up until it's time to go hunt and the kids don't need the gun they don't need the key they don't need any of that stuff so i think the parents are liable in the aspect that they didn't have the gun put up because I don't think there's any reason a 15-year-old needs a handgun out just freely for no reason. I think that's where it becomes an issue because as a parent, which I'm not, but as a parent, I think you need to have some way of controlling the access to the guns because you see it all the time. You don't know what kids are dealing with, what they're going through. Kids could be dealing with stuff at school that you have no idea about and they're afraid to talk to you about, and this could be a way for them to lash out and deal with it. People get bullied all the time, stuff like that. There's stuff that goes on that they don't tell their parents. I know there's tons of things when I grew up, I didn't tell my parents because I didn't need to bother with them, but it didn't affect me that way. But there's other people it does. So I think as a parent, you have to make sure things are safe and put away. So that way, if they feel the need, they need to do that. There's no way they can. And then maybe now they'll be more willing to talk to you and that type of stuff. So that's where I feel, I feel like, because the parents bought it and they just let him have it freely do what he wants and didn't take any control over it and make sure I think they are held liable to a point. And the fact it doesn't help that they were running after the aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, what about you, Tom? Well, for me, it comes down to, you know, kind of similar to what Gary's saying, but if that child is not old enough to buy their own gun and you want to get your child a gun, I'm all for that. But then you're responsible for keeping that gun in a position of, you know, safekeeping and out of your child's reach until you are able to be around them and help them with using it and shooting it. Because essentially they don't they they can't own that gun legally until a certain age. And so, you know, it, it should fall somewhat on the parents because if you're going to get them, you know, let's call it is guns are, you know, grown person toys, essentially. And yeah. if you're going to get your young child a, a grown up toy, you need to be the one that is responsible for what happens with that. And, you know, obviously, like you said, you can't probably know exactly what your child's going through, but, and it's, you know, that's why you should just you, you need to know that no matter what you need to be extra careful when it comes to what you're doing with a gun whenever you buy it and put it around your young children um, because you know let's just call it what it is like like Gary said people get into stuff all the time that we we don't know about and if you have that option available to you you know. Who, who's to say the kid's not going to think, oh, well, this can help solve my problems. I don't have to tell my parents. And you saw what kind of stuff can happen. So I, I, I do think, yeah, if, they, if the kid's not old enough to buy a gun on their own, the parents get them one, you're in charge of that gun until they're old enough to have gotten that gun on their own. Okay. Look at you, Ty. Look at well, you. So, D, I would like to hear yours because I know you own guns. And stuff like that. I would just like to hear your input. I know what you do with yours. I know how you keep yours put away. Yeah. So I think you do it the right way. I just would like to hear it's your input. It's tough, man. This is this is one of the very few conversations where it's hard for me to have because uh, growing up in Arkansas, man, uh, driving to school, uh, high school back in those days, man, and having that that rifle in the back. Uh, window of your pickup truck, man. Everybody had them. 
uh, well, all my friends did anyway. Uh, I didn't have a pickup truck, but you know, that was kind of one of my dreams, but having their, their rifles and stuff and going out doing hunting season, uh, and, and knowing the level of safety that they had, not because they took safety classes, but because I was just, I knew that they were a safe family as it related to the guns. So it's, 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 it's hard because, you know, I, you got to have some level of mental illness to even want to do something like that. So when you, when you factor that in, then you just like, damn, you know, was he even fit the own one from the beginning? Uh, and you know, it's their kid. You could pick up signs and stuff like that on whether or not they're ready and whether they're not ready. And obviously we could see that this kid was not ready to own a firearm. So that's, what's tough because, uh, raising four kids like I'm raising and, and them being various ages, you could tell which ones are going to be the responsible kid when they get older or like you can, you can trust them with certain stuff. And then you have the kids where you're just like, nah, you ain't ready. I'm gonna forever have to check behind you because you're that kid, you know? So it's, it's, this one is a real hard one because this is a case by case basis. And it's just depending on, in my eyes, if he was even ready to to own a firearm to begin with. Because, you know, there's some 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, and 15-year-olds that um, that have the proper training, that knows how to, that know how to operate a, a firearm to the best of its ability. I'm not saying that they need to operate it because they know how to and know how to safely operate it and not point it in certain directions and 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 are safe with it. I, I I'm saying I, I just don't know what a use for a firearm would be for a 15 year old. Well you see what I, I'm saying? Now, that's think... that's what the difference is. I'm not arguing that they shouldn't or should have one. I'm trying to figure out why at 15 you would need a firearm to begin with. Well, that and why a handgun? Right. A semi-automatic pistol. Like, for what reasoning? Like, I, I have family members that have that are 13, 14. They have a hunting rifle. And it's only used when they go hunt, and then it gets put up and locked away. And they don't. And the kids don't have access to it until it's time to go hunt again. Like, I think, and I think that's the right way to do it because it's the responsible of adult. You're locking it away and make sure it's only used when it needs to be used. You don't have free range. Oh, I just want to go take the gun today. Sorry. No, that doesn't work that way. You, you there's a, you, as an adult, that's your responsibility as an adult, as a parent, you're supposed to make sure your kid's not put in a situation where that anything like that could happen. And I think buying them a handgun for that, which not sure what you need a handgun for. And I think that does put okay. the, I, 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 I just I just figured it out gear. I just figured it out while I was just thinking here while you was talking. So I got my I, I I'm a parent. My son's 15. It was his birthday. and He's he's wanted a gun. He's been wanting a gun for a very long time. I purchased him this handgun so we can go out and we can shoot targets. I don't lock it up because I don't think he's that type of kid that would just go in there, get it and take it to school. It don't matter. So I, I think as a parent, you are liable if you don't lock the guns up and you have guns for the kids, especially if the kids know where they're at and have free access to it. Okay. You should wow. have them locked up. That's you okay. as a parent. You, if you don't lock yeah. the guns up, you are held responsible if something happens with those guns. It's the same gotcha. thing. If somebody steals if like somebody steals your gun and it's locked up, you can get in trouble like out of your car or whatnot and they do something. Obviously, they're going to be in trouble, but why didn't your gun locked up? I think that's the biggest thing is you have to do the proper way, especially if there's kids involved and you have like, you need to lock your guns up or you should be held responsible. Okay. All right. That's when they make gun safes and all this stuff to put things away. So the kids can't do that. Cause there are people out there that are respect that are responsible adults and they make sure their kids don't get access. So, so what if I told you that when somebody enters your home, the purpose of the weapon is to be somewhere where it's readily available. If it's in a gun safe across the room, I shouldn't even purchase it. There's no point in me even having it. And I'll go to the, the joke that I always hear. How many enemies do you have that you have to worry about somebody breaking in all the time? 
and that you well, got to have a gun at ready. It's not the enemy. I, I'm gonna play devil's advocate, Gary. I'm gonna play devil's advocate, and this is not how I feel. I'm just merely playing devil's advocate. So let's just say that I am totally against guns, but I'm a huge fan of Sean Taylor. Okay, Sean Taylor gets gunned down at his house. He didn't. He had no enemies. This wasn't an enemy. I'm not gonna say he didn't have enemies. Correct. But this wasn't an enemy, right? So he came in. So now I want to own a gun because I don't want something that happened to him to happen to me. So now I own the gun. Even if he he had it in a gun safe, he could have had it in a gun safe. He still wouldn't have got to that gun fast enough because it would have probably had to be across the room somewhere. It had to be somewhere where there's steps involved and me getting it, not where I can just boom, it's readily available. I got it, it's cocked, it's loaded. Now I have time to think. But so on the same thing, okay, say you you do that, you get a gun, and your kid takes it and so, does something. Should you not be held liable now? Because oh, no, you that's not what I'm saying. I, but I, that, I'm that, just but saying, that's the thing you come into. That's why the gun safe come that's in. The, that's what the issue has been with Correct. owning a gun, period, is the fact that if you have it for home defense and you have it locked up, it's going to be harder for you to get to that locked up gun, depending on where you are in the house. But also, depending I feel where you are now. I also feel that if you have a if you have a gun, you have it locked up. You have it where your your master bedroom is, because predominantly, if, if you have a gun free and it's not locked up, you're not carrying around the house with you worrying about somebody breaking in. It's going to be in your bedroom usually. If if you're sleeping or whatever, that's when you would worry about it. But I also feel if you're that worried about it, you're also going to have an alarm on your house. Because alarm's cheaper to buy than a than a uh, than a gun is, so you can get an alarm and it's going to let you know somebody broke in, and now you have time to get that out of your gun safe before they get to your room, because they're going to search all the rooms. They're not going to go straight to the mat. They don't know where the master is, so they're going to search the rooms. As soon as you hear that alarm, if somebody breaks the glass and alarm's going off, usually they're going to run because of the alarm. Now you have time to go into your gun safe because most gun safes nowadays are just press button. You put your little three, four digit code in, open, and you can have it ready, loaded. It wouldn't matter at that point yeah. because you're ready to go. Yeah. If you don't shut the fuck up, do you know how hard it is to concentrate on putting in a fucking code when you hear somebody breaking into your house? Like when that adrenaline's pumping, like you got to remember a code and you trying to get your fingerprint, you already nervous. My the, the thought process is this, Gary. The quicker I can get this weapon in my hand, the more time I have to think when it's time for me to fire it. But now if I'm trying to go get it and I don't have time to think, that's when mistakes happen. That's when people shoot a uh, family member or something like that because they don't have time to think. I don't think you have time to think anytime if somebody breaks in. Imagine if you're sleeping, you're in a yeah. dead sleep, you have it next to your bed, and you hear the alarm go off. The first thing you do is grab it, and you wait like 10 seconds, and then somebody knocks down your door. You're literally going to start probably shooting. But what if it's a family member trying to get to you to make sure you're safe? You don't know because you're freaking out because you don't know what's going on. That's another issue. That's a whole other thing. That could happen whether you're in the gun safe or not. I think the only thing you can do is there's not only thing you really can do is prepare yeah. yourself. What, by what class. family member knocking doors off hinges? Play? No, I'm saying like bust. I'm gonna shoot door. his ass anyway. He deserved to be shot. If your door shut <laughs> yeah, and you say, say you heard the alarm and your kids came across and and slammed open your door because they're freaking out and you have a gun in your hand, you might think it's the people breaking in. You won't know. That's no, 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 no. See, see, that's 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 where you. When you have kids, Gary, and, and this is this is one of the tougher ones, and it's easier when you have kids. When you have kids and you own weapons of, of let's just say, mass destruction. I'm going to go ahead and call it that, uh, whether it's a semi-automatic uh, or rifles, whatever style weapon you want to call it. When you have kids, the first thing you do if someone comes into your house, you go to the area of the house that they came into. Whether it's the front door, whether it's the back door, whether it's that particular window, because you don't just come out of your room going crazy because you know that the other rooms are occupied by people that live in that house. 
So with that being said, that's the difference in how you supposed to operate. So once the alarm go off and you gotta, you're forced to defend yourself, it could be a shit show. I don't know. I, I, I'm just saying I would like to think that I would, I, I would know that, hey, there's, I, I know where everybody is. The kids are here. The kids are here. The parents are supposed to be here. The wife is here. And once I pick that up through context clues, then everything else starts filling off. You know, you're like, oh, I feel like it's somebody in this room that shouldn't be in their room because we got a protocol. This alarm go off. You either get to our room right now or you stay in your room and you don't leave. Those are your only two options. Those are your only two options. Yeah, I, I think the moral of the story is you just leave your guns locked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, the moral yeah. of the story. Just leave them locked That's up. A, yeah, worry about leave it. them locked up. Like Gary <laughs> said, I'm with you on that, brother. Well, I know we could probably stay there for a while, but we got to transition because we got to be wrapping this up here in a second. Now I had something I wanted to get to. But uh-huh. first, I had to mention, you know, last week, whenever we uh, talked about the whole uh, – what what uh christmas movie exemplifies our team i had one of our listeners mail in and said that i missed an opportunity to call us the little drummer boys since we keep pounding (laughs) (laughs) had to throw that out there i told him i was i told him i was too excited about getting in the die hard references i know gary hates what people call die hard a christmas movie it's not You definitely, you definitely triggered and my him. And my buddies, now that they heard me talk about that on the podcast, they mention it all the time when we're gaming. It frustrates me. <laughs> so You're bad. welcome. You're welcome. Well, here's my question I wanted to bring up. So, uh, kind of, I need a gift-giving guide from you two guys. None. <laughs> None? That's the answer? Yeah. So I had one of my homies reach out and they uh, are recently in a relationship with a girl and they've been together for a month. Now, what amount of gift level giving do you give to someone that you've been with for a month? One, two, my uh, Cynthia's dad, essentially my father-in-law, he is uh, a Christmas baby. How many gifts do you give somebody that was born on Christmas? Because you gotta give them a birthday present and a Christmas present, right? You can't just combine them, or you know, or is that you know what you do if you're trying to be a child? <laughs> I know you both are cheap, so you're probably combining them. Now, but what's your gift giving advice in those two situations? And the first one, to make it simple, just give them a massage to massage envy or something like that. One day you're good. You don't have to worry about it. It's gonna be a cheap. And I don't think you should get a gift anyways, but if you're going to, you do something like that. Something cheap, easy, because again, if you're together for a month, that might not even be longer than a month and a half. So I don't think you go and spend something crazy. You just buy like a little, you don't gotta tell them the price. You just give them a massage somewhere. Hey, here you go. They don't have to use it, it's whatever. But I think that's a simple, easy way. And that way there's no expectations on, oh, I need to get something crazy. I think everybody likes a massage, so. You don't even have to go through all that. You're doing too much, Gary, just as it relates. On Christmas, I don't think that a gift in itself is what the true essence of Christmas is. It's the thoughtfulness of Christmas. Not the gift that you give, but the thought that counts. Like It's not the price tag on the gift. No, it's, how, it's what not, you put right. into what you it's got. Not, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Saying like, you know, you can get a coffee mug, a coffee mug that speaks to that person like, oh, this is them. This will be a great Christmas gift. You you wrap it up no matter how much it costs. Maybe it's three dollars. Maybe it's two dollars. Like you stay in your wheelhouse as it relates to giving Christmas gifts. But you give it from thought. You give it from love versus saying like, oh, snap, I got to match. They they gift giving, you know, in a month. What you think she like? Or what you think he like, it should be easy. It shouldn't be expensive at all because at that moment, you still cheap in the relationship anyway. I, I agree. I think, like you said, it, it's the thought aspect. I think today, too many people worry about, oh, I need to get this big, a lavish gift or this extravagant thing. 
and I need to make sure it's worth X amount of what none of that matters. It's if, if it comes from the heart, it shouldn't matter what it costs. But I think we're caught up too much with showing, oh, I got this, I got this. And we they posted everything on social media to show what they got. Oh, I got all this cool stuff. This I don't think any of that matters. I think it what matters mostly is like what it means to you. And if, if it means, oh, I got this expensive gift means much, well, then maybe that person wouldn't be right for you because it shouldn't be about the money aspect of it. And then as for the dual, the birthday and Christmas, I would that's the only time I would say, okay, if you're going to do something, you could still do a thoughtful thing, but maybe you do something a little bigger because it's, it's a, hey, this is both of them combined. That's why it's a bigger thing. Or you can just get a couple different small thoughtful things. You don't have yeah, to do I, a bunch of... I, craziness i'd always say small and thoughtful because you got a lot more christmas to come and you don't want to have to always try to beat the gift that you got them the the christmas before well i don't think you ever do like i'm saying like if you if say it was a husband or wife and they were on i I don't think did you say you don't ever think you do I don't think you should have Boy, to. You don't know people. You don't know people at all. No, I agree. People do because they don't. They they want it to be top. It shouldn't have to be top. But I'm like, say if your if your birthday was birthday and say if it was your husband or or wife's birthday and on Christmas, some simple like, hey, we're gonna go on a trip to here. This is your birthday and Christmas. Something like that. That now you're enjoying it with them, and now it encompasses it both, and you don't have to buy gifts. Now you get to go on a trip. You don't have, and then that could be like a yearly thing where you turn into, hey, we'll do this every year for your for your birthday and Christmas. We're always going to go on a trip somewhere wherever you want to go, and then that's a simple thing that it covers both. Now, if you don't want to do something like that, then you just get little gifts or whatever, and you just say, hey, you shouldn't have been burnt, born on Christmas. You should have picked a different day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that, yeah it's all wrapped into one. Happy birthday and Merry Christmas. Yeah, you're yeah, not getting stuck. Gift. Sorry. Like, I'm yeah, not going to have one that's wrapped like Christmas and one saying, oh, this is your birthday. That's not working. Because uh, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Jesus' birthday and your birthday follow on the same day. You know, it's a whole bunch of other people' birthday follow on the same day, and they didn't get multiple gifts. Like, I, in fact, you should have told them, like, I shouldn't be giving you this gift for Christmas anyway because it ain't even your birthday. But it is. <laughs> wow yeah see what i did there see what you did there well you see we what can I see did that there. you guys are savages so hope that none of your close friends are christmas babies because they're in trouble but we do appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode of the cinnamon and sugar podcast but before i sign off hey gary how'd that uh rerun of the 40 go did you watch it yeah i want you to tell us how it went i won Wow. That's all that you need to know. If you want to find out everything about it, go watch it. D, does yes. that mean you lost the overall series or what? I, I don't. You got to go watch it. <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin it for you or our listeners. So uh-huh. you go watch it and you'll be able to tell us what you even, think. Even though you let Gary cheat you out of a few, it's okay. Man. Nobody you know, cheated that, anybody. Just, Everybody agreed to everything that happened. Oh. Lord have mercy. Man, don't you sound like you done heard that before, Tom? Have uh-huh. you heard that before? Right. <laughs> Man, everybody agreed. To, okay. All right. Uh-huh. Well, we appreciate you tuning in. Go and check that out on the YouTube channel, Cinnamon and Sugar. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast. We out. We out. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to 